0: the blessing of God, the go-ahead, the permission, the right to be able to worship Him uh, in spirit and in truth. And so, uh, how happy we all we all are. It's great to see you here this evening, uh, those who are here present, those who are online, uh, those who are visiting. We praise God for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. O merciful and masterful Heavenly Father, Great is your name. Holy is your name. Awesome is your name. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And thank you for this blessed occasion and opportunity in which you've granted to us to worship you. Thank you so very much for Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly that we might live. The amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf. Help us, Lord God, never to take it for granted but to be ever grateful for the kindness that you have shown and the patience that you have shown toward each of us. We're thankful for your word that guides us. We ask, Lord God, that you'll bless us as we look intently into your word that we may grow thereby. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee and pray for be thy will. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at some comparisons between two men who had their lives all figured out. (laughs) Paul and Jonah they had it all you ever been there before you had everything all figured out, and then you realize, oh oops I maybe 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 not um but Jonah and paul I'm going to look at some similarities between the two of them in their own religious rights or beliefs uh their hearts so let's begin at Romans chapter ten, please um, so Jonah and Paul had some pretty angry hearts right when you think about them they were they were pretty pretty angry at everybody that didn't do things the way they thought they ought to be done. Um, and I want to look at verse 1 and verse 2 where Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my my prayer to God is for, for them is their salvation. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. And so that zeal, I mean, I, I get it, it's, it's excitement and and joy and passion, right? But But this kind of passion and joy was was not the kind that were, where they wanted people to necessarily be saved, right? Because they were killing people. Uh, well, rather Paul was at least. Um, go back to Jonah. So we're going to flip flop back to Jonah and then uh, in the New Testament, uh, mostly the Book of Acts. And so just to kind of prepare you, you can get your Bibles set and ready for that. But Jonah chapter chapter four and verse one and in verse two, but it. It greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Right? He was angry. Wait, God, you're going to save these people? I love how that, you, know, you think about that. These people, right? Uh, right? And then, and then, verse two is not on the screen, but uh, he prayed to God and he tells God why he's so angry. You know, he says, "He says, God, this is why I went to my own country. You know, I knew you would show them grace. Right? I knew it, and I didn't want them to be saved." Verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city uh, and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. So he thought, even though even though he's trying to stop the grace of God, and, and no, no one can stop the grace of God, he thought he could. He went to the top of the hill with this confidence. We're going to go to Acts 26. He went to the top of the hill with confidence, in confidence, thinking God's gonna do it. God's gonna wipe this city out. What's wrong with Jonah? <laughs> Something really wrong with that man. They call it righteous anger, but that's not quite what it was. Right? He just had some issues. Um, Acts twenty six. Acts twenty six. It wasn't that he, you know. Or oh, what if they changed? He didn't care if they changed. Your repentance wasn't on the table. You know, if you think about it right, it just wasn't there. Uh, Acts 26. So so the apostle uh, Saul, Saul before he became Paul. Acts 26 in, in verse 8, uh, he tells us what was on his heart. And then he says, Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Not, not I had to come in kindness and gentleness. No, I had to be hostile toward them, you know. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make them do things the way I've got it all figured out in life. And in verse 10, and, and this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often, In all the synagogues, I tried to force them to listen to this. I tried to force them to violate the law that I was trying to get them to follow. It's against the law of God to blaspheme, but I was trying to get them to blaspheme. I wasn't trying to save them. I wanted to punish them. He goes on to say, And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Salvation was not an option. If I get into a blasphemy, I've got another reason to kill him. You know. Wait a minute. Paul, is that really what you want? Yeah, that's really what I wanted to do. Philippians three, uh, and and verse six. So so both Jonah and and Saul on this this twisted way of of thinking were out to hurt people, right? Um, verse six of Philippians three, as to zeal a persecutor of the church as to uh, righteousness which is in the law found. Blameless, and he says I was blameless because I did it ignorantly, right? I thought I was right. I had it all figured out, and, and it was completely wrong. Um, and so, since they had their lives all figured out, Jonah, uh, back to Jonah, please. Um, they ran ahead of God. You know, they didn't. They didn't need uh, God in, in their way. I didn't say in their lives; I, they didn't need God in their way. They had it all figured out, so so they ran ahead of God, kind of to show God how to do this. You know, right? We Lord, let me let me show you how to do, let me show you how to do this, God. This is this is how you deal with people. Right? Uh, look at Jonah one verse one and and verse. Uh, we'll read through verse three. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me." But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Jabba, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Isn't it amazing how our minds work when we start rebelling against God? You know, we start justifying our lives and trying to find, trying to find another way, another way, or a way out that we lose common sense. Now Jonah knows God can see where he is. Jonah knows God knows exactly what he's doing. But Jonah puts his plan together, right? Pays the fare, gets on the ship, goes to the bottom of the ship because God can't see me. Like, Jonah knows better than that. But when you're running ahead of God and, and, you're, and you're being rebellious, you, you know um, that you just kind of lose your mind. Kind of happens that way, right? Uh, look at Acts chapter 8. We read this this morning, but I want to read again uh, for this lesson. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses beginning at verse 1 and reading through verse uh, verse 3. The, the the law of Moses was also about uh, proselyting people or converting them. It was also about showing love to strangers. It was about inviting them to God. Now, Paul knew that. He was a student of the Bible. And, and yet, when you read uh, Paul's uh, this account here, we find that he made his own plans that were completely the opposite of what the law of Moses says to do. He completely set aside what he understood to be true, just to have his own way. Saul, verse 1, and Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. We only know about Stephen's death, but the way Paul speaks in Acts 26, this happened a few times, obviously. Um, going on and on that day a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations uh, over him now remember when you read Stephen's account Stephen preaches a sermon that's so accurate and so right on right on cue and they didn't they didn't get angry at him and tell him he called them a brood of vipers <laughs> you know when he said and this is you're the man then they became angry at him because they knew they were wrong right and so just as um as Jonah went the wrong way trying to run ahead of God here Saul of Tarshish is running ahead of God implementing his own rules not the rules of the Bible right not the rules of God That's no nowhere do you find this in the Bible in the Old Testament where God says I want you to go in and it's not it's not there Acts 9 Verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and uh, murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, you might say, well, well, preacher, wait a minute. When you go back and look at the Old Testament, uh, the Bible does talk about how you're supposed to treat your brethren when they walk away from God. That's true. But it also tells you to study to make sure you're right, (laughs) right? Make sure you're right. And he missed it. You know why he missed it? There was no room for error. That's why he missed it. He just just totally missed it. Although it was crystal clear right before his eyes, all the prophecy that the Bible said about Jesus the Messiah, who would come. But he closed his eyes to uh, to the truth. And he went out and he got letters, right, of approval to make sure that my will happens running ahead of God. So how do you stop an angry man? How do you stop him in his his tracks? Well, uh, a three-day (laughs) shake-up, that usually helps. So that's what God gave both Paul and Jonah. He gave both of them a three-day shake-up to think about what they were doing to help them to possibly change their minds. Because of the fact that uh, they were spiritually blind, Jonah and Paul, or Saul, right? They were spiritually blind. So God said, I'm going to put you in the physical blindness so you could figure out your spiritual blindness. It's kind of interesting, right? John 9 kind of talks like that. If you were talking to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would see. But because you can see, you're actually blind. And so so since Paul and, and Jonah, or Saul and Jonah, thought for sure they could see, God gave them some blindness to help them realize Their true spiritual blindness. They were very, very blind. So you're familiar with the road to Damascus Uh, in Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 8. It says, and Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. And you say, okay, yeah, we get it. We know that Saul was struck with blindness on the road to Damascus. But when was Jonah struck with blindness? Well, turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, and I want to start in verse uh, 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. You don't get more blind than that, (laughs) right? Total darkness in the belly of a sea monster. You can't see a thing, right? Couldn't see anything going on around him. All he could do was fill all the seaweed and all that yucky stuff inside the belly of a great fish. Jonah, verse, chapter two, verse one, prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out in my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Thou didst hear my voice. So he was saying, I'm, I'm pretty deep in this ocean, right? For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy people. So God gave them a nice little shake-up, right? Three days. And one enough to give them one. You know, it's almost like, you know, being humans. You know, Paul could have said, oh, it was a coincidence, right? I don't know what Jonah would have said. (laughs) But anyway three days. Three days to think about, they both had this, to think about their transgressions, to think about the direction they're going into, to think for just a moment, am I doing the right thing? Right? Turn to Acts chapter 9. Now, someone might say, well, you know, why wouldn't God just choose someone else? And I've thought about that many times. I, you know, through my studies where God chose Saul to be this chosen instrument. Why couldn't he just choose someone else? Well, Because he was the one that God chose. (laughs) Right? Why, why did God choose Jonah? Why did God choose Jonah? Well, because that's who God chose. And they weren't getting out of it. You're it. Right? And and I'll tell you something, as a Christian, you're it. (laughs) God chose us. Now, now, now the apostle said that we're, we're, we're like, um, uh, people that, that people ridicule. Yeah, that, that's true. They, they, Jesus said that they make, uh, cast insults at us and, and they even persecute us. Yeah. Well, when we came to Christ, we became it. Right? We're his choice. That's a good thing. Right? Praise God for being, for being that, that choice. So, so here they are. Saul and Jonah were chosen by God to be his, his special people intent on serving God in a very unique way. Uh, Acts 9 and verse 15. But The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument. Even Ananias tried to step in and stop God, didn't he? Oh no, not him. You can choose someone else. God, look at all these people over here. No. You go down there and you preach to that young man. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. He is my choice. Maybe we don't think about that when we start complaining about things in life. Maybe it's God's choice. Maybe I'm God's choice, right? Maybe it's a privilege and an honor to go through that, whatever that might be. Look at Jonah, please, chapter 1. Maybe this is a repeat, but Jonah 1 and verses 1 and verse 2. Because I want you to, to remember that they're on a unique mission because both of these are Jews, patriotic Jews, someone might say. They're both Jews. And both of these Jews have to go to the people that in their minds, from their from their rage and from what we're reading about, that they actually hate the most or despise, the Gentiles. Because they thought they had it all figured out. They thought they were so much better than the Gentiles, right? So God said, I'll, I'll show you. You need to go to the Gentiles and go preach to them and go tell them about Jesus. And you know what they both learned? These folks aren't as bad as we thought they were. <laughs> In fact, they're better than us. But that was a secret, though. Jonah 1, verse 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the Gentiles. That's Assyria. You know, the Assyrians about to come and take Israel into captivity, right, because of their wickedness and their evil. By the way, uh, uh, what, what an amazing thing in 722 B.C. But here's the capital city of Assyria. Go to Nineveh the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. And, and you know, Jonah like, why do I have to go to these people? And then verse 11 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, God said, Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. the one thing about Nineveh is at least they just didn't even know. What's your excuse, Jonah? <laughs> they didn't know. They were they were confused and trying to find truth. How do we know that? Chapter 3 is all about their repentance. They, they were so ignorant that they put sackcloth and ashes on the animals too. Animals don't need to repent. But they didn't know, right? Jonah knew full well, right? And so Jonah was blind and blinded by his own zeal and, and so-called, so-called righteousness, and he went to the city that if they just could get to know God, the whole city repented, including the king, everybody. And Jonah didn't want to see it happen. Jonah did not want these people to have a chance to receive the grace and mercy of God. Isn't that interesting? Right? He's a prophet of God. And Jonah's not a new prophet. This isn't his first mission. right? Jonah has been a prophet for some time. So Jonah had his eyes set on Nineveh. Saying they need to be destroyed. He spoke for God. And he spoke very wrong. Acts 13, please. Acts chapter 13. And Saul, now Saul became this instrument of God. And he goes out and he proclaims a message to the Gentiles. And, of course, the Jews don't like it. So think about this for a moment. Now, you are a a hater of the Gentiles. And now God gives you a three-day shakeup. You wake up. Now you have to go out and preach to the Gentiles. And as you are preaching to the Gentiles, think about how your old friends feel about you now. Right? Think about that. Think about the explanation that Paul had to give to the Jews about his situation, which he did. But think about the the problems and the trouble he had just with them alone. In Acts 13 and verse 47, it's kind of like when we, uh, turn from the world to Christ, they're like, what are you doing? Right. They don't have a clue. Verse 47. For thus the, the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you should bring salvation to the end of the earth. A light? Yeah, hey, um, hey guys, I'm gonna go up to Europe. Act sixteen, please. I'm gonna go to Europe and preach the gospel. Europe? Why are you going to Greece? Macedonia, why are you going up there? There's just Gentiles up there. Well, you know, there's some folks that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can hear the Jews in the background, even the even the Christians, saying, we don't really want to go up there. Well, we got to go and preach Jesus. And he goes up there, and just like Nineveh, he gets there, and there's this woman, verse 18, named Lydia. Right? And Lydia accepts the gospel, and, and what a blessing. But then in verse 18. There's this 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 lady who is a demon possessed. Verse eighteen. She continued doing this for many days. Uh, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off into the market uh, place before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. We're Roman citizens. We don't want to hear this stuff. They needed to hear the gospel. The world needs to hear the gospel. And Saul was God's chosen instrument. Lydia repents and her whole household. These folks rebel, and, and the battle, if you will, begins. Okay, so what did they do in, in the in the belly of the fish and while Saul was, was in darkness? Uh, Acts 26, please. They reflected. They both had three days to reflect on their transgression. Now, now Jonah, as far as we, we know, based on the text, he didn't really figure it out. huh? He never really figured it out. He went up on that hill, he sat, he watched, it didn't happen. He begged God, you know, please kill me. Uh, death is better than life. And God let him live and it made him suffer through it. You're going to suffer through this repentance and this salvation. He's like, no, made him suffer through it. That shouldn't be the mindset of a man of God, should it? Never quite figured it out. That people who were who were living wrong, who were living and, and complete rebellion to God, who turned their lives around—that should be a moment of rejoicing, right? He never really figured it out, but he had three days to think about disobeying God, didn't he? In the belly, you know, he went on that ship a little uh, pompous, if you will. It was very arrogant, you know. And he says, "You know, throw me overboard, and you know the sea will become calm for you." He just thought he was—he never thought that God was going to send a big old fish swallowing him up, right? He might not have said, throw me overboard if he'd known that. You know. Jonah, Jonah chapter 3. Actually, Acts 26, verse 19. Sorry. Let's look at the scripture. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly mission. So we know that Paul could have said, I'm not going to do it. Right? He didn't it, God didn't make him go. God didn't make Jonah go. Eh nah, didn't really make Jonah go either, right? Still had a choice. Paul said, I didn't prove disobedient. When God called me, I answered that call to do his will. Verse 20, it says, But kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds, appropriate to repentance, and so there was a necessity for them to turn their lives around. But Paul said, "I had some days to reflect. I reflected on my life and the way that I lived, and so I went out and I began to preach." Well, Jonah, Jonah, chapter three. Jonah also uh, changed his mind. You know, you can imagine the call when when the great sea monster spit him up on, gri- on a dry land on the sand, and he was covered in all that stuff and God said, Jonah, you can imagine how fast, how quickly Jonah rose to his feet and said, I'm going to Nineveh, <laughs> right? Uh, he went to Nineveh to preach, and, and this is, his message is such a simple job. And I wonder when Jesus says to us, my burden is light, how simple our jobs are, but maybe how complex we've made them as Christians, right? Jonah's message, Jonah 3 beginning at verse, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation, which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. And he cried out and said, You have 40 days, and Nineveh will be over Throne. And you, you know, you try to find the rest of the sermon. Where's the rest of the sermon? Either that's all that we're given, or that's all he had to say. And he didn't even want to say that for God. Right? He didn't even want to tell them that. Saul and and Jonah had, had a lot a lot to think about. And they really had to change their minds and obey God and do the will of God. They ultimately did the will of God. But you see two attitudes. One didn't really want to do it and felt more forced to do it. Right? Like, oh, I have to go to church. You ever heard folks say that? I have to go. And the other was more willing and ready. And so, church, you can see the difference between one who clearly opens their eyes and one who really actually doesn't. Saul's eyes were completely open, and Jonah's eyes were completely open, but Jonah Jonah seemed to, seemed to fog up his own glasses. Right? Never really saw clearly, because he didn't want to. And that's just like the church today, right? There are, there are some members who see it clearly, and there are some who don't. But our attitude should not be like Jonah. Our attitude should be like, fall, right? Receive the world with joy and excitement, ready and willing to help those who are lost and to save and help the church. Hebrews chapter 4, please. I mean, they did ultimately change their minds to do the will of God, but maybe not with the right motive in mind. Speaking of Jonah, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The Word of the Lord, the Word of God, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Every time you hear God's Word, let it, let it seep deep into your, into your lungs, into your mind, into your heart. And let God do his work on you. Let the word do its work on you. And then he goes on to say that no creature is hidden. Verse 13. No creature. There's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are, are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we have to do. And as we allow God to dig deep into our hearts and our minds, don't try to hide stuff. I mean, you and I know he knows, right? But we do. We try to hide it, don't we? We do. We don't like to admit it, but... You ask a Christian, you say, are you giving God 100%? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. Let God dig into your heart. Are you really? I would give him just a little bit. I would give him half, three quarters. How much, how much of me have I truly, truly given to God? Right? It's open. It's laid bare. It's before his eyes. And then verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And understand that Jesus understands. And just because I don't understand my brother sometimes or my sister, I've got to have compassion, right? Let God work on them. Let God work on them. That's what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to go sit on top of the hill as we prayed for our enemy and said, Lord, get them, and then watch it and see what happens. We're supposed to pray, Lord, help me to forgive my enemy. Help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to do what you want me to do. Allow me, Lord God, this opportunity to be your instrument. That's where God calls us to be. So, tonight, we're going to pick up this next, next week, Lord willing, to finish it out. Because there's more about Jonah and Saul. But, tonight, just think about kind of where you are in your Christian walk of faith. Am I more like a Jonah? Or am I more like a Saul? And only you can answer that question. The lesson is yours tonight. Pray that uh, something was said to encourage you uh, in your walk of faith. Uh, thank you for your, your blessing of uh, me to listen so attentively to God's word. If there's anything we can do to help you, those who like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, those who have requests on their heart or mind they would like make known, made known, please make it while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.